0: Good morning, Cleveland. It's a victory podcast. And I'm here with Ian Wright, Wright, Wright and Jack Sir Duffin. Jack, how are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Uh, we just keep going.
1: Um, and it's as simple as that. There is what we've won nine games this season. There's probably been about seven of them we could have easily lost. And it just doesn't matter. Um, I was talking before we started recording. For me, and obviously we've got quite a few international listeners. There is a lot of similarities between this team and the Chelsea 2012 Champions League winning team. Probably one of the worst Chelsea squads in about a seven-year window. In injuries, there's people missing, there was we sacked a manager mid-season. We never really looked dominant in that entire spell to win the trophy. Um, there was times when it looked all over. But we just kept coming back and we did enough, just enough. We were like 51% to the 49% every single game. But that's all we need to do. It's not about your worst days, it's about just doing enough. And I've been getting those vibes all season. So, Super Bowl, Super Browns.
0: I'm getting a 1988 Wimbledon FA Cup feeling against the grain. Whatever you chuck at us, we're gonna win one nil or two one. Yeah, and I'm I'm sorry guys, this is an American football podcast and I'm sorry we're talking too much soccer. But yeah, I'm excited and um, it kind of pisses on Jack's fireworks sometimes because he's all talking about Podesso, whatever he's bloody called, about E-pop. the perfect roster. The perfect roster, but no, this is just pure brute strength. This is this is this is real American football.
1: But I would say, in terms of the, the, this is roster building what it's designed for. It's like, it's that depth. Because for so long, if we lost one edge or we lost one safety, the entire thing fell to pieces because there was nothing behind it. We regu- we rarely had 22 good players to put one each side of the field. Um, but it's very different this year um, with, with guys like O'Conquo, guys like Rodney McLeod. Guys like Maurice Hurst, none of these players used to even be on the roster. The idea of once you got past the two starters, you would get some rookie or guy that's been in the league one year and not very good. It's not Mac Wilson no more. It's guys that genuinely make a difference. And I, I think that that's a testament to the roster building, but also the coaching staff who everyone's going to get extended in the off-season. So deal with it. Ian,
2: where were you watching the game? Oh, I was watching this one at home, obviously, uh, with us playing the Chicago Bears. I was—I had piqued interest, but I would argue with Jack. I'm not even sure we had 22 good players. At times, we would have like six, and then we would have backups. We'd have like two or three guys on each side of the ball that were really good. And then we'd have like seven or eight guys who stunk. And then occasionally, one of the good guys would make a play and we'd win a game. But yeah, you're right. it It's a different dynamic to watch this team just showing how once you play as a team, you know, we always talked about this in the past, like the Browns never seem to play as a team well and be able to iron out these close wins. It's all kind of coming together because of guys like, you know, a Rodney McLeod who Jack puts, you know, a $2 million value on in the safety room, but it's impossible to think that Rodney McLeod's not helping D Bell or Ronnie Hickman or one of these guys in there because that veteran leadership, you know, the Jarvis Landry without the $15 million contract has to exist in some form or fashion. And the team is very enjoyable to watch. Do I know how long the, the the car is going to stay on the track? None of us do. But why not enjoy the ride? Because we have a lot easier schedule to finish the season than the Ravens do.
0: Hang on, guys. We've got two tough games ahead of us. The Bengals and the Houston.
2: And they have Miami and San Francisco.
1: <laughs> if we win one of the next three games, we've got somewhere in the region about an 84-85% chance of making the playoffs. So that's just one of the next three games. I think we've got a really good chance of winning two, or even all three. All three is not nuts. It's not likely because any team, even the Kansas City Chiefs, winning their next three games is not completely likely because the NFL is nuts, especially with all these injuries this year. But there's a world where we 12 wins at the end of the season. It's
2: insane. Yeah. I mean, there, there really is. And what they need to do. And you, you made a point about the coaching staff and I don't know if we could really kind of talk about this enough, but the Browns had no business of winning that game yesterday. They didn't, they, they got outplayed for the most part until the fourth quarter and Kevin Stefanski and the coaching staff put the team in position to win. And the veterans went out and won the game for these last three games. Stefanski will be tasked again with putting the team in the position to go win the game. I fully expect that all three of these games and the season will be within a one-score game. I don't think the Browns are going to get blown out, and I don't think the Browns are going to blow out any, even the Jets, and the Jets stink, don't get me wrong. They got blown out by Miami, but that's not who the Browns are. I mean, the Jets got blown out without Tyreek Hill. The Browns, that's not, that's not who they are. But I, I can't say I remember the 2012 Chelsea Champions League team, but they were probably a very nitty-gritty, sweeper-minded team right to the heart of me, the sweeper. But yeah, that's what it is. They, they just need to get in there, mix it up. If anything, very much like the 2012-ish, and I don't remember if that's exact year, Ravens led by Joe Flacco, where they slugged it, they won ugly, and then they hit the playoffs. And
0: All right, guys, let's get the format. Let's stay focused. Let's talk about the Browns versus the Bears, starting with the offense. Jack, we're
2: gonna give this one. No way, Jack.
1: So here here's why it's a six.
2: You're higher than me.
1: You've got three interceptions. Ian, there. come on.
2: I uh, I think Jack is about to prove our point here.
1: You've got three interceptions there. And um that hurts. Um Joe Flacco, if we're talking if we were grading this in the first three quarters. We might not be up to three for each a point for each quarter. <laughs> it it was it was really challenging at times. And it was weird to see a first drive. So what we have seen under a large spell of Stefanski, the scripted stuff is phenomenal at the start of games. It didn't quite work out this week, but there was fascist, There was no run game. And that is testament to the coaching staff how well they did, because there was nothing open in the run game. And that's what's going to happen when you've got the O-line is falling apart. It doesn't really work out. But what you can do with a quarterback with a veteran savvy mind, and luckily our receiving options haven't been injured yet this season. How long that will last, no one knows. But having Cooper and Injoku, and as well Tillman and uh, Moore, is essential. That's why this team is continuing to win. If you lost, even just one of more of... Cooper and Inchoku, I think that would probably be it. But while those two are there, you continue going. That fourth quarter was phenomenal. One of the best quarters I've seen the Browns play in a long time, offensively. Um, but you're talking 100 plus yards for Cooper, 100 plus yards for Inchoku. Both got touchdowns. Um, my my boy Goodwin showed up big. Um, I think that's one that they'll come back to and we'll see 57 yard catch in. 57 First of yards.
2: Goodwin did one thing, and that was run. That throw was mm, to use a hand motion by Tommy DeVito.
1: I I, I just think it, there is so much to like about this team, but my God, they they need to invest something in running back in the offseason.
2: I don't even know what's running back. Listen, the problem is, Jack, at one point, you know, 20 snaps into the game, but Tonio goes down with a back spasm, and you're out there with an entire second string and third string offensive line, plus my man Wyatt Teller. And I think, Paul, you have to realize the Browns had like 120 yards total offense for the, through through the first three quarters and like 200 yards of offense in the fourth quarter. So three turnovers, I think they ended the game with what, 20 rushing yards. I mean, it was overall an absolutely sluggish offensive performance. I was thinking like a five and that's only because they won the game, but We talked about it last week. We'll talk about it again. The lack of the running game is putting the ball in Joe Flacco's hands. And for the first three quarters, we all kind of went, well, the wheels on the bus are falling off. And then Joe comes out and hits, obviously, the deep pass to Goodwin was nice. But that, you know, frosser to Amari Cooper, the deep out to Amari Cooper down the sideline, you know, he made some big time throws. But also remember, he had three interceptions. And Jack, how many interceptions did he have dropped? Like another? He could have had five interceptions in that game. I mean, Chicago had their hands on a ball. Now, if An's what's, and buts, and all that other stuff, I get it. But overall, offensively, it was a very sluggish performance to be expected when you have, you know, Jaron Christensen, Michael Dunn, Nick Harris, and, you know, James Hudson, right? And listen, I'll tell you right now from Chicago. I listened to Chicago Talk Radio this morning. It was split. 50% of the fans were clamoring because they're now getting two good draft picks. You know, they want quarterback wide receiver and the other 50 percent were just in full meltdown mode they knew they should have won the game you know a lot could have gone differently for the bears that would have allowed them to win this game that didn't and the browns won but let's not overinflate the offensive grading scale here because of a victory it was pretty bad overall
1: one thing um just to touch on there uh obviously we lost my um point but hey, we'll come back to
0: it. Go, go on,
2: a... uh. Guys, 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 We're talking about the run game, Jack. No, guys,
0: guys. We won a game. We scored more points than they did on the offense. Yes, the turnovers were three, but when you look back at them, they weren't that bad turnovers. I mean, once
2: Are you sure about that, Paul? They weren't so, bad turnovers. Well, look at the ones did... they—they threw a pick six. Yeah, wow, and then they unlucky. And then yes, the other one, chance. it was unlucky in the sense that you know Tillman tipped the ball up, but then on the one Tillman Ooh, ran, one, Flacco ran the other, and he threw it right to him. Tillman deserves um, criticism
1: for that because Kevin Stefanski went ape shit on the sideline at Tillman; he was not happy.
2: I, yeah, I mean, I could absolutely see why it wasn't. It wasn't how, great.
0: How many of them turnovers were on Flacco? One slash two. The Njoku one.
2: Which one? He was throwing a ball to um, it really low to uh... oh the one no that was a great play by the corner that was the one where the corner dropped off the outside man and came across because Njoku was running the seam that wasn't yeah. I, I I think Flacco threw off his back foot it, if hindsight was twenty twenty I think he would have probably put a little bit more gas and mustard on that but for the most part I would say that uh, you got to put that on the quarterback he didn't put enough gas on it the tip one was behind Tillman he tipped it up. And listen, at the end of the day, we can say that Tillman, you know, should have bent it over for the post or the dig, whatever you want to call it, and he ran it up the seam. You can't throw the ball that's that case. Like, you're going to have to wait a half second if you're working with these receivers. It didn't happen.
1: One thing I really like about Flacco and why it makes a world of difference than what we saw um, with DTR and Walker, it's the average depth of target he's willing to throw at. And he's also semi-accurate. Yeah, he's not. If he was perfectly accurate, he'd be earning – 50 million a year. Um he throws really nice deep. And the thing is, when something's not going your way, two successful passes, and you're into field goal, into touchdown range, that's how quick the game can shift. When you're relying on a passing game, the Drew Brees-esque of you need to execute five to ten yards, and you have to do that eight, nine times to get down the field. That's really risky. It's why the passing game is more sustainable than the run game. Because if you need to run the ball, what, three yards a clip, you have to run that 30-odd times to get a touchdown. Well, suddenly there's so many times a flag or a penalty, something can go wrong. Whereas two successful passes are in field goal range. Now we're talking. So that's why the range of possibility on the Flacco is much better. Why player like James Winston that people slate, but that level of you never know what's going to happen is more beneficial. Throwing an interception as, hey, one of them did go wrong, the one that you're talking about, the tipped one with Tillman. That's the risk of you make a mistake there. It's only gone, what, five, six yards downfield. Suddenly um, it's pick six, whereas you go deep, range of outcomes are a lot less negative. Um, so I'm excited to see a bit more of that. Oh joey flacco granddad joe
2: yeah and, and listen there's a the coaches have a lot of work to do because you know as we talked about it big bob tanyan with the big drop on that deep play that was a beautiful ball by fields you know you had tyler scott dropping the one so the bears did everything they could to give the browns the game there's no doubt about that it's just nice to have the ball finally bounce in the browns favor for a little while but don't think that that team isn't walking in there today after stavansky's motivational speech giving them and saying hey guys We should not have won that game. We were not perfect on defense. We were not perfect on offense. We got lucky. Luck, Curry's favor. You know, I get it. There's plenty of Browns fans out there that are like, listen, that ball has bounced the wrong way for us. You are correct. I have never seen a football team over the past 20 years lose as many games the way the Browns do as they do. So it is very nice having the ball bounce our way. However, there was a ton of teaching moments. You won the game, Paul. You are correct in that sense you won the game, you move on. Now you go play Houston. But ultimately, they got to get this run game figured out.
0: I'm I'm going to give it the offense an 8. The mm-hmm. tight end was awesome. The O-line was battered
2: and they stood up. The wide receivers did their jobs. I wish you were grading my papers back in school, that's for sure.
0: So
1: Flacco. I'm I'm, I'm going to say if if if, if we're going to have an argument here. Well, you're going to have to compromise on a seven. I'm afraid.
2: There's six. no way I can give a seven. It should be a six.
1: Is, if if I said it's five, a six. If you want to push five, we're willing to accept a seven, just because it will make you squirm.
2: Never
0: six.
1: Six. Hey,
2: Paul. I have a question for you. How cool. many pressures did the Browns allow? The care. offensive line. Don't care.
0: We won a game. We scored more than the other team. It was exciting. We caught balls. We fought for it. I loved it.
2: Fair enough. Your grading scale is as good as Cream uh, Hunt's pass blocking skills. They're not I, very good. I would say the, the
1: point Paul makes there is important. It's fun to watch, and because it is fun to watch, you've got no clue what's going to happen. Same way Mm -hmm. as our receivers are also in that (laughs) boat.
2: To be fair, that's what the Bears are saying about their offense, too. The Bears are saying that about their offense. Like, it's fun to watch. We have no idea what's going to happen. Our quarterback's going to run around, and we'll get to this on the defense, but our quarterback's going to run around and just throw the papers in the air. We'll see what happens. So, listen, the nice part is is they got through the hard part of the schedule, you know, with the P.J. Walkers and the Dory Thompson-Robinson and stuff, right? So, now, having a guy like Flacco, that veteran leadership, and – how how nice is it to see players coming out and saying, Oh man, Joe, this guy's been a vet. You know, this guy, Miles Garrett, has nice things to say about him. You can feel the camaraderie as a team. You can feel it. That's why you're winning the games. When you're playing for the other man, Urban used to say it all the time: nine units strong, right? You made up a great point, Paul, about the tight end. I firmly believe that this culture that Ansgar has created is why you see a different David Njoku. David Njoku is in embracing the role. Um, Peter Schrager had a pretty good story earlier talking about how the night before the game on Saturday night, Kevin Stefanski brought David Njoku up in front of the team and said, guys, this is the epitome of what we all want to be. We want to be tough. We want to be physical. This is a guy who has deficiencies in his game. We all know him. However, he's able to overcome these deficiencies and somehow hold on to a ball in the back of the end zone where his heel may or may not have hit out of bounds. It's debatable, but this is the culture that they're embracing. This tough, physical, everybody's against this environment. Flacco comes in with his arm and I, I still, Jack, I've seen that replay from the behind view of Flacco hitting Cooper on the crosser there for that final touchdown. I have no idea how he got that ball through there. None. I mean, that was a frozen rope. In Cleveland in December, which everybody tells me is the hardest throw in football to make, a throw like that in Cleveland in December. He threw that on a rope between two defenders, hit Cooper in stride. That was the one I forget I don't know if it was Burns or one of the guys had a screenshot of what the throw looked like before he threw it, like what he saw. And you're just like, the moxie you have to have to put that ball in there. Woo-hoo! Joe, Joe knows, baby. All right so Paul what's your final determining verdict on our uh, offensive woes Um yeah we're we'll going to go over 6
0: and 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 move and move on swiftly because uh, I think we need to spend a
2: bit more time on the defense Absolutely what do you, what player stood out the most for you on defense yesterday Paul we'll start there Um Jack's favorite he deserves an extension J O K Oh that's some off-season content when we're talking right. about J.O.K. extensions.
0: Right.
2: Pro Bowler. It's possible. J.O.K. He's got Pro Bowl fashion. I'll give him that. Jack, who is, the, who is the player? J.O.K. Who stood out the most for you on Miles Garrett? Oh, I'm sorry. I slipped that in there. <laughs> what player stood out the most for you, not named Miles Garrett? Um, Because I already know you looked at that pressure win rate of like 30%. percent Or are like, oh, no, so I'm okay. not giving you that layup.
1: Who look really good. I thought Ronnie Hickman was absolutely excellent. Um, he's a player that I forget he's almost playing, which is testament to that. <laughs> the safety room was absolute scrubs and nothing at this point, and uh, that they look great. Um, obviously Fields helps them there, but uh, that's there. Uh, yeah, I think J J O K is a boom and bust player. Um, the great is phenomenal. He reminds me quite a bit of Diggs for the Cowboys.
2: Who, Andre, or, oh, Trevon Diggs.
1: Yeah, I think he led the league in receptions last year. Crazy two, numbers.
2: Two years ago, yeah.
1: But then he also gets beat regularly. And yeah. that, and he has that's like a PFF of the,
2: grade of like 45. and has two interceptions. Yeah, He's actually like the guy they have now, Duron Bland. He jumps everything. He gets pick sixes galore, but he gives up a shit ton of completions.
1: I mean, it's exactly that. It's like... I, the JOK of the last two years wasn't great. It was just meh. Whereas this year, he's looked really good. Um, and the reason for that, he's making big splash plays. He's getting like four pressures on the game. He's getting an, a, a very questionable interception
2: that never was. Um, I didn't even know they gave him that interception until the TV broadcast brought it up at the end of the third quarter. They're like, by the way, everybody who's looking and going, when did Justin Fields throw an interception? I'm like, when did Justin Fields throw an interception? And then they showed the highlight and I was like, Oh, and as somebody that has Justin Fields on their fantasy team was not happy about that minus two deduction.
1: I had a couple of Browns on my defense, so I I was very pleased. Um, But it's one that you've then got the negative of, what, two out of seven missed tackles, allowed um, four of five receptions yesterday for 44 yards. So it's a really interesting one with him because he's going to land on every highlight reel, whether it's good or bad. He is on everything because he's always around the ball. Um, so, no, I think there's definitely a discussion to be had about an extension. In the off-season, you can't extend him before that because he's not completed three years yet. Um, but no linebacker in the NFL is currently earning $7 million a year or more unless they consistently play 100% of snaps. JOK has five career games of 90% or more snaps. And hey, Jack, gonna I, want,
2: be a- I want to give you a name. As, and this is... I have not seen this anywhere out there, so I apologize if I'm stealing somebody's take on this. But Jim Schwartz comes in and with JOK. He, to me, looks different as a player because he's playing different. I'm going to give you a comp, and I'll be curious. Hassan Reddick. Drafted by the Cardinals, right? It's kind of that hybrid, played a lot. Then goes to the Eagles where they say, you know what? You're not great in coverage, but you can sure rust the passer. All of a sudden, we've seen this evolution of J.O.K. kind of now you're right in more of a pass rushing type of role. He's shooting the gaps. So Reddick rushes more from the outside, but he's been in the league for six or seven years. So I think he's probably got 10 or 15 pounds on J.O.K. But ultimately, I kind of see Schwartz doing with what um, they did to Hassan Reddick to what they're going to be doing with J.O.K.
1: Maybe. I think Reddick went much further to more of an edge, but I can certainly see aspects of them there. Um, For me, digging through sort of the data for usage, Jermaine Pratt um, comes up as a potential comp for JOK, um, but it's going to be a really interesting negotiation because no players cross 7 million. Before really delving into the numbers, I'd have put a JOK extension about 12 million. That's a 5 million difference between what the NFL sort of says a player like him is worth and what my gut says he's worth that that's going to be a thing and and where does that money come from on the team zadaris Smith I would say is probably the most telling part of the roster do you get rid of zadaris Smith and you bring in another veteran edge I don't think you elevate everyone but we're talking a two to four million dollar edge um Look in your past guys, Justin Houston, that sort. I don't know who their names would be this year, but someone just under the quality of O'Kronko Well, it
2: and seems like you... if you ask Miles Garrett, he doesn't want Zadarius Smith. I mean, he completely took him out there at the end of the game. I mean, he was like, listen, buddy, you're not getting this quarterback pressure.
1: Five players have ran into Miles Garrett in the last two games and all
2: gone. I know. I saw Del Pitt. Now, Miles, settle down, buddy. We know what it is. He's not getting any holding calls because he's just penting up so much anger and frustration. He's hitting everybody.
1: Zebras, like, Tre- Trevor Jenkins run into him, boom, he was gone. It, it, lo- it looked like he was half dead. It's like
2: all these sounds. Miles even helped him up. He was like, I apologize. Like, he must be a Marvel character at some point. Like, he's hitting people with the hammer of Thor, they don't even know it.
1: But I'm I'm intrigued this offseason because you could move Alex Wright into a on rundowns, he plays outside and inside, he could be a really good three tech. Um, Okronquo, obviously, pass downs, he's great there, bringing another edge. Um, I so
2: is on a one-year contract, correct? Uh, yes.
1: Yeah. Is, yeah. Uh, I would probably going to be cost around 12 million in the off season, which is pricey.
2: It's pricey. It is. I would say if he's willing to come back for a little bit less than he could get at a sh- shitty team, I'd be interested. Otherwise I would be scouring for another guy who fills that same void. I like his physicality. You know, I like what he's able to bring making Alex right. Your edge too, to me, seems very problematic. Um, you but need, I, I, I know I, you want to kind of partner right on, uh, on Ogbo. I just, I would rather have a kind of an every down type of guy just for what you need. But I think having Schwartz and having the success of this defense yields you to get a little bit of financial, uh, relief when it comes to bringing these guys in because they know they can come in and make an immediate impact. And, you know, I'll say this again, because we left him off here. Miles Garrett didn't have any sacks yesterday. He didn't. However, this is why box scores are bullshit. Because you look at a tape and you say, Miles Garrett had no sacks. 11 pressures, which a lot of people, oh, pressures, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. You don't understand. Justin Fields when he starts moving around, it's very hard to sack. I mean, I think the first time the Browns played the Bears, he had like six sacks or whatever it is. But Fields is coming into a comfort zone, right? So for Miles to beat that left tackle like a drum so much, that means that literally 30% of the time, the quarterback has to go outside of structure to complete. That's insanely hard to do. I mean, that's got to be one of the highest pressure rates in a single game. I mean, I, I would think it's harder to get over 10 pressures in a game. That has to be impossible. I don't know if Aaron Donald does that that
1: often, yeah, he's only up to six nine pressures on the season, I think, which is just uh.
2: You're talking about Donald,
1: uh, Garrett, I think.
2: Garrett, um, no.
1: it's one that box score. It's it's about looking at the right thing in the box score. Sacks are not a good measure of what's that. It's not even a good measure of sacks from year to year as a, a thing. Whereas pressures relates much cleaner. um but no, Miles is an absolute record machine. And If we look at what we've done at defensive tackle this year, it's uh, Tomlinson plays 60%. Three other guys, you each get 40% of snaps, which is 1.8 DTs per snap, but that's roughly where their team sits um, pretty equally across those three. There's
2: where are no- you at on the Tomlinson? What's mm-hmm. your take on it now three-quarters of the way through the season?
1: Well, just one thing. What okay. I could, could potentially see on the exterior is they go and do the same thing and go, hey, Miles, you're going to play... 80% of snaps. And we're going to have three guys each play 50% of snaps, something like that. And then that way you can have an Ocaronco, have a right, have another guy we sign and they all contribute rather than relying on a, cause he, even Smith's not playing that many, he's 50, 60% of snaps. So I'd much rather see that higher. If you're going to pay a load of money. Um, but Tomlinson, it's up, down, it's, I never know what to make of it. Uh, I want to see more if I'm honest Um, for what he's being paid. I've got to see something twice as good as like a Shelby Harris. Um, And for me, I don't see that. I get that. He's probably having a knock on impact on everyone around him and elevating, but it's not. What is he getting paid? 12, 13 million. 12. Yeah.
2: Well, I just did the math by the way. So miles Garrett, you're correct. Has 69 pressures on 690 snaps, ironically enough. T.J. Watt has 70 pressures on 815 snaps. So with 120 more snaps, he only has one more pressure. And he's the highest he's ever had in a game was eight. But overall, defensively, listen, I thought they played really well. You
1: you threw me on Tomlinson.
2: Oh, here's the thing on Tomlinson. I don't mind paying one guy in that room for somewhat consistency because I think the Browns' run defense... For years has been just atrocious, and I don't know if he's the linchpin or it's the Shelby Harris, whatever it is. However, I don't mind setting the standard in that that we're going to have at least one of these four guys have the capability of grading out well, and you know, providing. I mean, he provided five pressures yesterday, two hits, three hurries. Like I'm good with that. On the season, 33 hits, four sacks, nine hits, 20 hurries from a defensive uh, lineman. He's been very boomer bust to your point. I just I don't mind it at this point because I know what I'm getting from him each and every day. I don't want multiple guys at 12000000 million, I'll tell you that. I have no problem having one guy at that number and then three other guys coming up trying to get eventually to that number.
1: Yeah. It, it, record number of pressures for him in a season. Um, he's at 10%, so nine pressures in the last two games has been uh, massive for him. Um, really brought his number back up.
2: And, okay. and listen, I think when they play the Jets in two weeks, the, the entire team may have 60 pressures in that game. I've seen that Jets O line. That's, that's... <laughs> so defensively, though. Uh, one other guy I want to point out, um, I thought had a really good game yesterday. He's backing up my praise of him, and that's Greg Newsom. I thought Greg Newsom was on the ball yesterday. I think he finished with two pass breakups um, in coverage. I think they're saying he allowed, let me take a look here, targeted seven times, three catches for. 55 yards. No, No, it's Emerson. I'm sorry. Four yards, three, three receptions, four yards, Emerson, four catches for 55 yards. I thought uh, Newsom is showing why I personally think he's a better overall cornerback. And I know people gave me a slack on this, his versatility inside and outside. I think he can play multiple types of receivers. I also like his ball skills, not saying Emerson's not a good corner. Emerson's more of a physical, you know, he gets a little handsy at times. He has some limitations, I'm not saying he's not a good corner. I just think Newsom has the more versatility in terms of the different multi-dimensional schemes he can play.
1: So, Paul, big question. I want you to start here. What, what are you grading it?
0: That defense. The cornerbacks were great. Big shout out to friend of the show. Is it Cam Mitchell?
2: Cameron yeah. Mitchell, yep.
0: Yeah. He was great. I thought he had a good game. He did. I thought we put a lot of pressures, for the linebackers were strong. I'm going to go with an 8 out of 10. Yeah. Three takeaways. Yep. One, was Three.
2: A, one was a give me. I, give me, I must admit, it was like a, an, oh, a. One of the giveaways was on specials, though. So they had two interceptions. One obviously being actually both of them were on the hail marys. So they didn't have one really in game turnover. But overall, I don't think you're wrong. I mean, they held the Bears to under 90 yards. And let's let's take this for what it is. Last week, the Bears hung 30 almost. I think it was 26 in the Lions. So the Bears' offense has some skill. the The Browns made it uncomfortable. This this the standard of this defense is tough because we know them to be what they are and. I think seven would probably be the right answer here, but I, I would have no problem leaning eight. Just overall, I thought they controlled the game, and when they needed it the most, Paul's right. They stepped up. The linebackers played well. The corners played well. They got the ball back for the Browns, and I think the defense was the reason they won this game.
1: So For me, this is a, a comfortable nine, and I have zero reason to think it should be anything less, and that is you look at those 17 points conceded, but near enough, all of that was on the offense. The defense... Without, If there was no interceptions in this game, we're probably saying, is it a shutout? Have they only conceded three points? And for me, if, if that's the point you are in a game, you can't be giving them less than a nine. Um, and so for me, I, I thought it was an absolutely fantastic performance. Um, they they just, just said no, and they, they were just not letting them do anything. Um, so no, Just I, I to
2: touch on Zach, uh, Jack's point, the Bears' first touchdown drive was four plays, one yard touchdown drive their field goal drive was nine plays, 47 yards and their final uh, touchdown. Where is that? Cause to your point, it was set up the pick six. Yeah. The pick six.
1: So they, so they probably get three points on the game.
2: Three and the other touch. And that was not even a 50 yard drive. The bears longest drive just to run through them. Three plays, five yards, three plays, five yards, six plays, 30 yards, three for eight, Four for one touchdown, three for six, 10 for 61, three for negative four, nine for 47, three for negative nine, seven for 32, three for six, six for 14, three for negative two, and five for 30 with interception.
1: So I'm sat here thinking it's a nine. They didn't a, live the only one. Any way you're going to convince me is one up. So uh, I'm not taking anything less than nine here. Um, I thought they were phenomenal as a defense yesterday. It yeah. wasn't pretty but, at times. There was times when I was really frustrated watching it. But you sit back and you go, this is a 20-3 to three win if it wasn't for a couple of interceptions.
2: Paul, what do you think? Is this argument convincing enough?
0: The defense stood up yesterday. There was multiple free and outs. I think seven or eight. I can't remember the actual number, but it was high, right, Jake?
1: Yeah, they just said no so often.
2: If your defense but- is doing that, The Bears as a team had 236 total yards, only 12 first downs on the game. They were 4 of 18 on 3rd down and 0 for 2 on 4th down. That's phenomenal. You can convince me on a 9. If Paul's on board, I'm on board.
0: Can I have a 9 here, Paul? Of course you can, sir. Jack Duffin.
2: There's democracy in in action right there. All right. Go ahead. Specials. I'll let you start, Jack. So Where be, did he play I'll, on special teams?
1: I'll, I'll be honest. It's two weeks on the trot now. I've been too scared back the Hopkins uh, kicking points over. And both times, he's cashed. My man yeah. just can do no wrong. Need seven points? He delivers you eight points. And that's the kind of guy he is. Um, he's a friend we all need. If, if you need picking up, he'll it, pick you up two days on the trot. Um, this is
2: his friend, Corey Boracquez. Nice man, introduction.
1: This is my boy, Dustin Hopkins.
2: No, I'm saying, did oh, you see Hopkins' yeah, interview? Yeah. says, hi, this is my friend, Corey.
1: <laughs> but uh, it's absolutely unbelievable. And they got that turnover, as Paul said. Um, that was there. It, I don't really know how much they caused it because it looked like he just coughed it up. And hey, no I it was just there. But being there is part of the uh, the magic.
2: Listen, that uh, he saw that guy coming. It was a little squirt of the pants, ball squirted loose. That's forced. What do you think of Prochet? He obviously muffed that one against the Ravens and he's come back now and he's made himself a little bit. I mean, I know a friend of the show, Blake Williams talked a little bit about, it. I don't know if you saw his tweet yesterday, but he was very complimentary of Prochet in terms of one of his punt returns, being able to get up field, get that 14 yard return when the Browns offense kind of needed a little kick to go, you know, and he pointed out being able to do that, getting that 14 yards really just gives the offense kind of that, boost so to say that it needs
1: so i have no will to ever see a specialist as one of my six wide receivers um, get that out of here um <laughs> I, I don't ever want to see it i'm not interested in it um give me six wide receivers and send him on his way um by all means i appreciate that occasionally you might get something good but use that roster spot for something that's actually worthwhile yeah. because um to- no no time for it
2: To quote quote Blake, exactly. Good job by Prochet getting vertical in seam on putt return immediately. Equivalent of getting the first first down of a drive allows offense to start possession in four-down territory. Borquez had one shank, but he still averaged 44 and had five punts inside the 20. So I think overall coverage and stuff, we were... I think we, this is one of the most undisputable things we will ever talk about. The Browns special teams is noticeably better this year. Oh, phenomenal. Noticeably better. And
1: I think a lot of credit sits with uh, Matthew Adams. I think Matthew Adams has been a massive um, change for that unit. Um, the professionalism and just what he does is just flawless all the time.
2: Um, Are you ready to call the special teams unit the Adams family? I'm,
1: I'm here for it.
2: There it is. The Adams family, baby. You guys can, uh, bubble Ventron, you can take that one if you'd like.
1: But no, I, I think it's one that uh, they just keep delivering, so... Uh,
2: no touchdown, but they get the turnover. You're giving them a nine or an eight.
1: Oh, a nine. I, I, the time when you, you add a turnover and you do nothing wrong. If they would have punched out or something, I'm happy to go with a ten, but because it was a bit gifted from the other side, I think nine's probably uh, right here, but yeah, just phenomenal display. Corey Buelquez, that man is getting extended in the off-season. Maybe even happen a little bit sooner. Um, man needs pain.
2: I agree. Paul, what do you think?
0: It, it was a good day all round.
2: I'm super positive. Um, special teams, 8 out of 10. Only Man, you're... Jack comes in hot. You say eight on defense. He says nine. You say eight on special teams. He says nine. On offense, you bring in eight out of the cards, and he's at a six. What's going on here? Come on, Paul. No, I'll give you
0: consistency. It was good all round. Could have improved in a few things. So, so can yeah. we
2: sell you on a nine here as well?
0: Okay. I've got nine for the defense. I thought that was exceptional. Yes. And nine for the specials? Four specials. I can't think what they did wrong.
2: Yeah, they didn't do anything wrong. Do
0: that's the, that, Five punts Here's the, the thing about specials.
2: Line. Here's about specials. When they're not doing something wrong, that's a win because you don't ever want to look at, Um, was it the Steelers and the Colts blocked punt? Bojo don't get them blocked. No, 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 no. You'd never want your specials no, to do pump, something no wrong. No punt return, number one. Yeah, and man, The 14-yarder, no, Blake Williams talked about it. Come on, we need a... Bloody punt return in the game. It's hard as hell to do that nowadays. These punters are smart. Speaking of that, by the way, we're, since we're talking about specials, did you see what I sent you yesterday, Paul?
0: Was it? Did you see who?
2: Book? Did you see who nailed the field goal?
0: Oh, um, our mate Scott Shammer.
2: Yeah, the lefty. The lefty. You didn't see this, lefty. Jack. Huh?
0: He hooked up, Yeah, he hooked it left. He hooked it really left.
2: Oh, he what? hit what? it. It was, it was. It was a ghost. Because they had a little bit of a tweak of an injury. Yeah, Jamie oh, wow. Gillen coming off the bench for the uh, for the Giants. I didn't have the exact Mate, distance. He hooked
0: it like a rugby a kick. He he, oh, like
2: Jack, go watch it. It's pretty crazy. I will tell you, it was. So Randy Bullock got hurt after making a 56-yarder. Jamie Gillen, 40-yard field goal. 40-yarder. Buried it. Mate, the holder was Gunnar Olszewski. Gunnar Olszewski was the holder because they needed somebody who was left-handed. <laughs> the Scottish hammered. Dead nuts from 40 with a draw. It, it was like that golfer who could just draw it down the fairway, who starts it off over the right sand traps and just kind of brings it right back into the fairway. It's the thing of beauty. Another good
1: news out of the game, all the injuries day-to-day. No one is considered worse. Day-to-day probably means seven of them on IR by Tuesday. But positive vibes. Hopefully, Betonio is back. Zedarius Smith got banged up. Um, yeah.
2: Listen, as the resident expert on back injuries as you get older, I'm going to tell you what happens. Your back seizes, the muscles grab. He's right. You can barely move. Two or three days for a normal human to get back to somewhat mobility. With his training, they'll get him on the the stem, they'll get him some electroshock, some muscle. I would say he'll be back practicing as a limited participant by Friday. So,
0: do you know great massage knowledge? Deshaun Watson, and it's great. Oh, that he's, Paul, taking he's, one out of my book. He's he's great that he's in the. It's uh, great that he's in the building.
2: Oh, Paul, bringing out the Pat McAfee style shots, man. Guys. I'm the resident Deshaun Watson hater. Okay, Paul, you cannot come into my lane and take my Deshaun Watson stuff.
0: No, It was, it was funny. It's bit off the cuff. Oh, it was beautiful. It was the
2: the delivery was flawless. Oh, Here we go. Here we go. Beautiful.
0: Aaron Rodgers with five. Big Ben with five. Ealing Mar- Manning with five. Tom Brady with seven. Joe Flacco with seven. What? Road Playoff wins. Hear that, Jack? Road. road. Road playoff wins. Who has got the biggest chance of ever winning that t- chart. What I'm going to say here is I'm still not convinced we're playing a uh,
1: away playoff game.
2: All right. So I'm going to look here because I'm going to take a look at the two thousand and five Ravens. Come on, mate. Well, they
0: 11 and three or something stupid. So they're two wins ahead of us. But
1: let's just look at this. What they've got coming up.
2: San Fran and Miami.
1: Exactly. San Fran and Miami, which are two Super Bowl. Well, it's the number one
2: seed and the number two seed.
1: And then number one
2: NFC, number one or number two. If they
1: lose both of those, that easily puts them in a doubt going into that final game where they'll probably win that. So that's one and two. That's enough to cost them. Because we would have the. Overall. What's I was going to say?
2: Do we know what the tiebreaker is? Because somebody asked me this as well. So if the Browns and the let's say the Browns win, so the Ravens are two games up on us right now. So say the Browns finish three and zero. Let's just let's just say they're tied at the end of the year, right? So the Ravens so are so going to finish. Browns win out twelve and five. The Ravens, Ravens are twelve.
1: The
2: Correct. So, so we would make up the two games. So, so we need th- 12 and 5, 12 and 5. The first tiebreaker's head to head. We split. The second tiebreaker's divisional. And if we beat the Bengals, and they beat the Steelers, we tie it four and two again. Then I think it goes to AFC conference opponents, right?
1: Best one loss tied percentage in
0: common games. Oh, for I'm not even going down that road. Which Jeez, that some, is down a road. Somebody
2: riot. smarter than us do that.
0: I'm I'm tweeting it now, guys. I'm saying if the Browns win out and the Ravens lose two of the three games, who goes through?
2: I would Yeah, I was going to say, we got to find somebody that can...
0: But I, uh, I believe, based
1: on what I've seen people say, we ha- would have the tiebreaker on them.
0: Why? Well, believe... against them, lost once
1: against it, them. It's uh, like teams that we've both played this season.
2: Yeah, it's like common opponents. It's really weird and it gets really deep.
1: So it's not like... It could be a team like we both played the 49ers. If they lose the 49ers and we beat the 49ers, maybe we're one up on them. Um, whereas you've got to think what other games have they played. I'll just pull them up Baltimore Ravens, uh, Jaguars that he both beat the Jags, so it doesn't matter. The Rams, they beat the Rams. We didn't beat the Rams, did we?
2: No, we lost That's the Rams equal. And, the, and the Broncos. Seahawks,
1: they would have the advantage because we didn't beat them. Uh, we haven't played the Lions. Did we play the uh, Titans? No. Um, Colts. We beat the Colts, or
2: yeah, we beat the Colts.
1: So that's equal.
2: Fighting, fighting PJ Walker.
1: And then if we beat the Texans, no, they're still equal. So doesn't matter on that one. Common opponents under your scenario, we're all the same, Paul. Uh, so next one would be within the conference. NFL standing we're, conference, we're
2: still the same four and two and four and two,
1: but with those final games, just oh, change? so if they lose, if they to, Miami, lose to Miami,
2: yes, because we would end up Can beating you? Houston and the Jets and the Bengals, so we would add three to ours and they would have one loss additional because they would beat the Steelers. The San Francisco game doesn't matter as much, so you add one loss to their
1: so at the moment we're six and three, they're seven and three, so so
2: so they would finish in the conference 8 and 4 we would be 8 and 3 which is weird because this is that year where it's no, like
1: cuz we're all conference so we'd be 9 and 3 and we would go through
2: we're not playing oh yeah we would cuz we're playing Houston the jets and pittsburgh yeah. So, so yeah we'd be 9 we and, beat them. is <laughs> we'd be 9 and 3 in the conference they'd be 8 and 4
1: yeah if we win out we've probably got anyone in the uh conference bar maybe the chiefs
2: there it is everybody there's your breakdown i know you all tuned in through that mathematical experiment to figure out who's going to go but as of right now it seems if we're doing our math correct the browns will have the tie break. let's see if the, your mentions agree with that paul
1: the other important part there is if we don't catch the ravens finishing fifth in the seedings, being the best wildcard team is important because in that first playoff game you want to be playing either the Jags or the Texans much better than playing the dolphins or the chiefs.
2: I don't think it's possible at this point for us to play. Cause the chiefs would be the only one, the dolphins are 10 and four and the Ravens are 11. So realistically, neither of those teams are going to fall below that three or four. No, but it'd be
1: someone catching us.
2: For, yeah. You'd have to get somebody like the, the AFC South. So like the Texans or the Colts at eight and six, because the Jags, the Colts and the Texans are all eight and six. So you're talking about you're going to play either the AFC South opponent or the possibly the Chiefs, who would drop to the four.
1: Which I don't want the Chiefs. I'd much yeah. rather play.
2: Realistically, right now, I would say if you make it as the five seed, you're going to play the Chiefs, the Jags, the Colts, or the Texans. Those are your four options. But,
1: now, the other Jags. wild
2: card kicker is that Buffalo catches Miami, and Miami falls from the two to the five, and yeah, Buffalo jumps to the two.
0: It's guys. Buffalo play Dolphins last game of the season.
2: Correct. And that could be for the two versus five, because if they're tied, the <laughs> winner would win the division as the two seed and the loser would be the five and the Browns would move to the six, which means you're likely playing the chiefs. If it were all to play out, it's going to be interesting, but most importantly, beat the Texans. Stroud the still concussion protocol. Well, let's... One game at a time here. We're like Stefanski, all right? I need you, fellas. I need you to all win for each other. One at a time. Best thing about winning a game is the ability to win the next game.
1: This season's fucking
2: magical. That's all I'm going to say. Hey, uh, hey Ian, this... Ian, are you going to go to any more games this year? We'll see, Paul. We'll see. Uh, you're going to the Bengals game?
0: I'm going to the Bengals game? And uh, Look, Jack, I want some negativity from you. Is there a chance that the Browns could not make the playoffs?
1: They yeah, would have 12%. to lose. So either they lose all three games or if if they only win one of the three remaining games, there is a chance. It's probably around 20% that they don't make it, um, but we'll know more as the season goes on. There, there's certainly a chance. Um, but if they win two, I think it's like 95% chance. So you're talking really weird shit to Miss uh, out. Um, But no, I, I think you've got to win one more. Um, and I'd struggle to look at that schedule and go, this roster with how they're played all season, they just lose all three games. But it's not like it's a Mike Tomlin coach team. Mike Tomlin coach team, they can lose all three games.
2: You should hear the arguments I have with like my in-laws and all my wife's family about the fire Tomlin. And I'm like, listen, you can fire Tomlin, but you better be on board because... If Sean Payton was out there, that makes sense. I so love the fact that it's like the Browns. You kind of go through the growing pains with Stefanski. My brother and I are texting yesterday, and he's like, "I can't stand these play calls." And I'm like, "Everything happens for a reason." If the Steelers fire Mike Tomlin and have to go to some like uh, third-rate special teams coach or something like that, oh, oh, please! I listen, Mike. Mike Tomlin's one of the top coaches in the league. He is. He just doesn't have a quarterback. This is what happens. Belichick now. Oh, Jack. The Steelers fire Tom when they bring Belichick to Pittsburgh. And then Baker Mayfield goes up to Pittsburgh. Mike Evans to Pittsburgh, too. Just bring the Tampa connection up. By the way, Jack, George Pickens run blocking. Oh! <laughs> During the draft, there was all those things about, eh, this guy, if a Browns wide receiver was caught on video doing that, Bobby Shenanigans and all those other Twitter accounts would be losing. You thought John Johnson's effort got questioned a lot on Twitter. Oh my! Did you see this, Paul? Uh, what is it, George Pickens run blocking? No, I didn't see it. Do yourself a favor and look it up. Just look up George Pickens run blocking and look at the effort I don't he watch gave. The too much. What's that?
0: I try and avoid watching this. Oh no, mate! You want to watch? You got to watch it's this. Hilarious. one. uh
1: he, Paul, there's he a walk-in would... touchdown, and he just can't be bothered to
2: extend his arms. Oh, Jalen. And I had a Jalen Warren to score a touchdown prop. So I'm even, I'm sending him some DMs. He owes me 50 bucks. Burn George out. Pickens run blocking.
1: Yeah, it was shocking.
2: And it was oh, one good. that all around
1: the draft, it was character concerns. Loads of teams have taken him off the board. So he has a great rookie season. Everyone's like, fire Andrew Berry. Even then, Why he only did had he like five, five
2: catches that were really good. People saw the box score and they're like, man, this guy almost had a thousand yards. He's like, yeah, but he only played like five games. Hey, he's, he's, And he then you did. look at this.
1: And then, yeah, he's just given up. And it's like Mike Tomlin, character guy, blah, blah, blah. For me, there's a lot of similarities between the Marvin Lewis era, for what happened in the Bengals, the Bill era in Patriots, the Steelers-Mike Tomlin era. They, they come from a different time, and I think they struggled to move with the times. Lot, both of those two gems in Bill and Mike Tomlin belong in the Hall of Fame. But their time in the NFL, is the league's moved on, they're heavily invested in building defensive rosters. Both have GM powers, not all of it, but there's certainly involvement where they've gone less focused on the quarterback, less focused on the passing game, get me more defensive pieces. That philosophy, contagious amongst the entire organisation. So they should be held slightly responsible for it. Both have been awful at hiring coordinators, um, especially on the offensive side. So th- there is some culpability there where lots of people are like, oh, Tomlin, it's not his fault with callback. It is his fault. He deserves blame there.
2: Um, he's the head coach. It's it's his fault because he's the head coach. But it's
1: one that, ironically, we, we can go back a year's time, a pretty unwanted job in a way was the Colts. They run to the litter almost in terms of coaching staff. You even to go back to the Rams. The Rams were... Pure run of the litter when they were looking for a head coach. Um, They went outside the box. Both of those hires were very unconventional. Sean McVay, Bobby Slowick. both have been really, really good. Um, So it's one where sometimes being the best job doesn't actually get you the best guy. It's often the jobs where teams are more like to go, hey, can we push the boat out? Not go, let's get a retread in, uh, oh God, what did they do in Panthers? It was just a joke. It was like, why do you get this old dude? We've seen it before.
2: Well, and, and the conversation I was having with my brother, and this kind of goes full circle back to Stefanski, right? Why is Kevin Stefanski running a reverse with third string, the uh, offensive lineman, all this stuff? It's because he understands offensively that I need to put on tape the sheer thought that I'm going to hand this ball off, that there are no limitations on my offense, because, Jack go back five years, we would always see the Browns run these formations. And we'd all go, oh, every time there's this formation, this is the exact thing that happened, right? You get into an element of predictability. So Kevin stavansky's telling you, I may not necessarily think this play is going to go for a touchdown every time, but you better know that if you're in man coverage, right? And that's why there's usually a motion guy. That's why people run the orbitals. They're trying to figure out if you're in man or zone. They're going to hand the ball off because if nine out of 10 times you don't hand it off, You have to play all 10 snaps like they could. And that's the thing. Kyle Shanahan does it. Mike McDaniel does it. These offensive guys realize I need to get the defense to think. And further proof of that, I read an article in The uh, Athletic after Brandon Staley got fired. And, Jack, I just – it's appalling to me reading. A beat reporter basically said the reason Brandon Staley got fired was because – He made his defense think too much. And I'm like, and it said he's, they acknowledge he's super smart. He has checks for all the plays. His preparation is second to none. His game plans are second to none. And then it reads and it goes, but the players ultimately ran into each other and couldn't execute. It's like, wait a minute. So we're saying that this coach who probably puts in hundreds of hours coming up with a game plan is not good enough because he's too smart. And it's just kind of one of those things where offensively, sometimes you get this belief that he's too smart, but it has to happen for a reason because when you play a Brandon Staley defense, he can have all the checks in place. But if they don't execute, Anthony Schwartz gets around the outside, takes it to the house. Uh, David Njoku slips through. Uh, Blake actually did a really good job of explaining the defense that the Bears used on that Najoku one where Flacco threw the little floater over the top. It's not a cover zero per se, but you use a six-man pressure, you drop the DTs, and you go a three-man, two-under. You know, he's explaining what defenses are doing. You have to have that offensive protege. You have to have somebody that understands the movement of the ball in the game of football for the 2023 NFL pattern. And that's why you say Steven Savansky gets too cute at times. He's doing all of this for a reason. Those plays are in there to always keep the defense honest because yes, one time he hands the ball off to a guy in the sweep, but the other times he gives it to Nick Chubb on an inside handoff. And instead of them stacking eight in the box, there's only seven and Chubb gets six, seven yards. So all of that exists for a reason.
1: I would say the other part is a lot of trick plays. They're having to manufacture rushing yards because the offensive line and the running backs cannot get it done. Uh, They're getting one or two yards for carry, sometimes negative it has to be a trick play to get more than three. And that's perfectly fine as long as you can keep going to your bag and keep pulling out more stuff. So they're having to absolutely go hell for leather just to get anything going. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, because ultimately you have
2: to try to get the – right now defensively you have to try to tip it to your side of the the favor. You have to get it to where the numbers are in your favor, where I'm running seven-man fronts against a seven-man box because look at at what these engines are doing. I mean, Montez Sweat – a little bit of hidden gem. Look what they did with that backside pulling guard, right? So Batonio, you see him come over. They're not necessarily blocking Montez Sweat coming off the edge with James Hudson. They're running him inside and they're running a guard around the outside and they're leaving Njoku into block. So on the one play you watch, Najoku blocks and releases. The edge stopped rushing because he was like, shit, I got to go cover Najoku And that... That's how you kind of balance the numbers by saying he sees Michael Dunn coming. This is a tight end screen. Where did Njoku go? Where did Njoku go? And he throws it backside to Cooper, right? Dan Orlovsky did a really good job of pointing out in a video how Stefanski uses these exotic blocking schemes with Bill Callahan to neutralize the threat to take some of that pressure off of his offensive tackles. That is offensive football in 2023. Belichick, some of these guys, they just need to get a coordinator or somebody in there that can integrate the system. The problem is, is a lot of the personnel they have aren't involved in that. So they they have to kind of get with their GMs. They have to fully turn over the roster. The Browns have been doing it for five years, and we're finally starting to see the benefits. We saw the flash in 2020, but we're finally starting to reap the benefits of it. All
1: right, so we've gone slightly long on our half-an-hour podcast. We hope everyone had fun. That was any a meat
2: sandwich of, fun fun? of content.
1: I don't have any. We all good. Go Browns.
2: Go Browns. Go Browns.